Hey everybody, welcome back to In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. It is the season premiere of Star Trek Lower Decks. My name is Kevin, one of your hosts. And I am Ethan, two of your hosts. And today we will be discussing the uh, first episode in this season, Grounded. And this episode is directed by Jason Zurich. Interestingly has worked on the new DuckTales, some new Transformers show, the Venture Brothers, Tron Uprising, and Ben 10, The Ultimate Alien. And these are all animated offerings, yes? Yes, yes. Now, well, here's really yes. Written by Chris Kula, or Kula. Now, listen to this career. Started with Upright Citizens Brigade, the... the comedy troupe or however they describe themselves um wrote for mad tv a bunch of little stuff wrote for the onion the onion um their sports show that they the onion put out wrote an episode of community one of my favorite comedy shows uh some show called at midnight that i think might be uh what's that thing adult swim or something um, and now uh, a co-producer of Star Trek Lower Decks and a writer of three episodes. I have not seen any of those shows that you mentioned. Oh, okay. Not even Community. I mean, I've seen Mad TV, but I, like never watched an, like an episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never, like, I never watched the UCB Operate mm-hmm. Citizens TV series, but I've gone to UCB theater and yeah. seen Community and whatnot. Um, I mean, Community is a very big show. Yeah. Right? Star, starring, as you know, uh, Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. One of many stars. But it's interesting, you know, you mentioned DuckTales. Yeah. The new DuckTales. So I find that interesting because I've seen a little bit of that show. Again, not a full episode. But kind of like lower decks right this new duck the new ducktales from what i have seen it's very tongue-in-cheek it's very wanting to all these throwbacks all of these meta meta humor a lot of in jokes to the uh you know to the previous uh incarnation of ducktales and just that sort of era of disney on tv so it's very much sort of keeping in line coming into lower yeah. decks sort of keeping in line with that sort of style of meta you know, so yeah, I think so like, I think that's a good choice. That's a, yeah. a show, but also satirizing a show. At the yeah, same time. like the yeah. Chip and Dale movie that that just came out. Kind of. Well, it's funny you mention that. I'll just mention this real quick. The the moment from Ducktales that came to mind actually did feature Chip and Dale. Um, there were two characters from Ducktales. I don't remember their names. It wasn't. They they think they were new characters. And they're stuck in a jail cell, and they had this like little. They had like little pieces of what seemed like a model, and they didn't know how to get out of there. And so one of them's trying to figure out, well, how do I, how do we get out of here? And he's like really thinking, really, he's really thinking hard about it. And in the background, Chip and Dale and the rescue range just come walking out of a hole in the wall to the music playing. And they assemble this little model and it ends up being that fly that they fly. And they just fly out and actually shoot something at a button that opens the gate. But it's very just sort of like done in the background, like no real attention is called to it. Yeah. It, was, it was very good. Kind of humor we come to expect from shows like yeah. Lower Decks and yeah. Rick and Morty and, and whatnot. And that, folks, concludes the Disney Afternoon cast. Yes, exactly. So I think that's good. I like that there's somebody from the DuckTales, the new DuckTales cartoon involved. Yeah. yeah. One of the great things that they did also in that show, back to the Disney Afternoon cast, is that they test David Tennant, the former doctor from Doctor Who uh, to be uh, Scrooge McDuck. And uh, he brings a real, he really classes up the joint, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I thought this new episode of Lower Decks was great. It's great to have the crew back. And I just really, really enjoyed it. Some very good, genuine laughs for me um, on this one. But this, of course, picks up from where we left off from last season, which saw Captain Freeman getting arrested. 
Uh, I'm curious, did you think that this was going to be something that would be carried out over the course of a couple of episodes? Were you a little, you know, were you kind of surprised that they resolved it in this one episode? Or were you thinking it was going to be a sort of like what they did with Boimler on the Titan last season and maybe keep her away for at least a little while? I was surprised when it ended or was wrapped up by the end of this episode. I hadn't yeah. really thought, I guess I just assumed it would be more than one episode. But I also, as soon as it happened, I thought that was the exact right choice. Yeah, like... This is not Discovery or some other show where they need to pull it out all season and this is the mm -hmm. big mission. So I really did appreciate that. Even with a, a season-ending cliffhanger, they kept to their kind of one-off story. Moment. What I thought they were going to do was I thought they were going to do a whole... And the marketing material at least seemed to reflect this a little bit. I thought they were going to kind of do a little bit of a Star Trek three spoof and steal the Cerritos and go in the search for Freeman. And I, I thought they that, attempted that. But I thought that was going to, I thought it was going to sort of some, in some ways mirror yes. the events of that movie and be done over the course of a couple of episodes. But I think in keeping in lower deck style, it seemed like it was going to go in that direction. But as the episode ended, it didn't need to. There's no need for it because yeah, which was funny in right. itself and yeah. also the fact that they just couldn't quite pull it off right was funny because you know they're not kirk and crew mm. well they and did it's nice to see that it's not that easy to steal a starship right but it's that easy to hit red alert when you see the starship being stolen <laughs> but i think you know it, it reminds me do you remember last season when shacks came back and I was kind of upset about it because yeah. I thought to myself, why didn't they keep him? Why didn't he stay dead? Why isn't the show taking any risks? Why didn't? And you were <laughs> yeah. saying to me, well, he's back to life. They don't have to explain it to us because we're lower decks. And I remember saying like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But it just for some reason that that wasn't landing right for me. And uh -huh. even though they do the exact same thing this time with Freeman, for me, somehow it worked like 10 times better. Right. Maybe you were used to it now. And also, I thought that her little explainer with the montage was very effective. Right. And I do think one of my problems, as I mentioned before, with um, Shax was that the explanation didn't quite jive with my understanding of the Star Trek universe, which is yeah. not usually the type of debates that we have about this show, but... Well, I think in that case, I just didn't really like the way it went. Well, I think with Shax, I think it's because his death was in the moment was like so kind of heroic. The circumstances by which he sacrificed himself felt negated when he came back. I felt cheated. But in Freeman's case, because the episode begins with mariner with her dad who we did see in the very first episode of the series and she's throwing plants around smashing things oddly enough reminded me of legend of zelda because link likes to smash pots and there was just so many plants um feeling like she has to do something that she has to rescue her mom and her dad just keeps saying just trust in the process just trust in the process and then at the end it's like i told you just trust in the process it'll be fine yes it was such a simple thing and also yeah. it does reveal, you know, she is a character who goes off. Uh, <clears throat> the only, the only way I can say it is half cocked. Yeah. She goes off a little, you know. She she acts before she thinks too much. Sometimes right. she's a little impulsive, and it's, so this is a nice case to just show her. See, just sometimes the older people that you don't trust are actually right. You told me in that opening scene on the show you got like that huge laugh when it's when Mariner's like ranting, wondering about like asking about the bridge. Like, why do we even have a bridge? Why do we even have that? I did think that was quite funny. Um, that big red thing she yeah. calls it. She doesn't even know it's a bridge. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And her dad said, people like the bridge. I like the bridge. But nobody drives anymore. Yeah. Yeah. This planet's whack. And it's interesting too, though, to hear from her. Like, I, yeah, this is Earth, but I've never, I didn't grow up here. I'd barely spent any time here. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I guess in one serious 
note of the Star Trek universe. I would not have considered that. Like on in the United States, we have, as they call them, army brats, who their parents were in the military, so they're always growing up at army bases. You would have starship brats who would grow up on starships. Right. But the whole episode really kind of focuses on the Lower Deckers getting ready. So in a way, it does kind of mirror Star Trek Three, only in the Lower Deckers case, they don't need, like, they all think they're doing something heroic. They're going to go rescue the captain. Mm-hmm. And before they can even do something stupid, there's no need to. Because, yeah. again, they're just Lower Deckers. They don't know anything. So... I love the idea that there could have been some sort of, I think Mike McMahon had said this on the ready room. The idea that somewhere out there, there's like this measure of a man trial happening off screen that we are not seeing. Mm. And the lower deckers are just there like doing their own thing, trying to plan out how to rescue their captain. A rescue that is completely unnecessary. A rescue that is completely and totally unnecessary. Yes. And even, um, I guess all her mom could manage to say was like uh, something along the lines of, you know, okay, it's very nice that you were trying to help me, but you know, she definitely does not right. can condone what she did. I didn't think it was neat that the, uh, the, the explanation of what happened was called a classic Samaritan snare. Yes. Yes. Yep. That was nice. Cause I guess, yeah, they would do that a lot. Try to get help in order to um, get a good Samaritan to help them in order to uh, just, Screw them over. The backlands really are terrible. They are terrible. They are terrible. What were your thoughts on what they did with the first contact landing site? I thought it was fantastic. I think it makes a lot of sense that something goofy like that would happen. I mean, I'm sure we could go to Cape Kennedy right now and see, you know, the Apollo would have a similar kind of, I've never been, but. I'm sure we have some kind of a similar situation going on in Florida. Yeah. I don't think so, but no, I don't remember having that. At least a museum. There's got to be a museum right. and a gift right. shop. But, I mean, you would think because in the movie First Contact, I mean, um, LaForge is having a conversation with Zephyr Cochran about how this whole area becomes a historical monument and how there's a statue for Zephyr Cochran there with his hand reaching up at the sky. But what he doesn't mention is that there's a whole, like, amusement park around it. Yeah. Which I thought was... I mean, the fact that the Vulcan lander turned into... Got, just got turned into a slide. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh... Yeah. yeah. It's certainly adding that satirical bit to it. Right. And that the first ship, the first warp flight, like, is a ride. Like, of course it would be a ride. If you actually get to do a... Yes. That's right. the funny part. Right. It's not like a roller coaster on a track or a simulator. It's... Right. And there's so many like little like I noticed like there was one there was like a kiosk there where you can buy you know get drinks, and it said thirst contact, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. But they go to Bozeman, Montana. After sorry, after first they hatch this plan at our favorite restaurant in the 24th century, which is. Oh, uh, Cisco's Soul Food? The Creole Creole restaurant from... uh, Oh, it wasn't Soul Food, it was Creole? It's Creole, yeah. Okay, good, that's better. What were you saying to me before we began recording? You said, like, you don't like that they used it, or you didn't like the... What were you saying? When I first thought, I thought it was funny and and nice, and then then I'm seeing it now, I kind of... I don't like it. However... Why not? I I forgot that it wasn't Soul Food, it was Creole. That changes things a bit. That changes things a bit. Okay. So first off, yeah. Obviously, Cisco himself did not start this. Right. I don't know. I guess it's the <clears> idea <throat> of using these legacy, I guess, characters as a little one-off joke. Yeah. That well, his dad wasn't there. He could be a little too careless. Maybe. Wait, actually, his last name Cisco could be his kid, or his like niece. But yeah, I mean, okay, I guess. I think I just, I really want the Cisco, Star Trek colon Cisco or something. So I don't want to see it get used too much on these little jokes because I want to see it for real. 
Right, and you don't want it to potentially ruin what could yeah, be, what I don't could think be a... writers, if there ever is one, would say, well, I don't know, we got to make sure we work in the, the Creole restaurant. I mean, quite honestly, I, I looked at it as one of those, sure, it could be any restaurant, but does it hurt? I don't know that it hurts anything making it Cisco's. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a nice nod, but I didn't feel like it was sort of stepping on anything if or yeah, walking a fine line. Cool. I don't know. I think I'm being a little too precious about it. Yeah. Um, but the yeah, show... The show is leaning pretty heavily into Deep Space Nine so far this season, which I think is fantastic. I mean, even the shirt that Rutherford had on, because they were not in their Starfleet uniforms. So the shirt that Rutherford had on was like an exact copy of a shirt that Jake Sisko wore on the show mm -hmm. at one point. Like a civilian shirt. Which I, I really do funny. like his commentary. I forget why it is, but they're like something like wrong here. And he yeah. said, my shirt could be a little more asymmetrical. Right. Because it reminds me of all the weird asymmetrical shirts. Um, it's I feel like uh, Jordy was often wearing asymmetrical weird sweaters. And the civilian course. clothing in Star Trek is so awful. And I just don't understand. I would love to talk to the costume designer, Robert Blackman, and be like, look, I know it's the future, but for crying out loud, can somebody, is somebody, does somebody not wear, do we not wear t-shirts anymore? I mean. It's all about. Why do they all look so awful? Sweaters. It's a what? A lot of sweaters. Yeah. A lot of really weird design sweaters. Yeah. And I do think that, yeah, well, Will Whedon's on Next Gen, obviously, I think was the epitome of the weird sweaters. Yeah, I mean, is it, I mean, I can understand, like, you know, you can't show any branding. That's fine. I mean, I, I mean, is there any reason to think that Levi's doesn't exist into the 24th century? I don't know. But does that mean it has to look weird? It have to look so, like... I've got to assume, I'm not a costume designer. Yeah. But i got to assume it's hard to try to predict what clothing's going to look like in 100 years. Even if you're not trying to predict it, but just trying to come up with something that right. is not too far from our clothing but not too similar either. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't want someone to be wearing, I don't know, something that was too off-putting, like gigantic pants. Or, I don't know. Something it reminds me of the episode of Voyager, Future's End, when they come back to 1996 Earth. And you always have that scene where they have to like put on different clothes to blend in with people of the time. And when they get to the boardwalk in... Uh, Santa Monica and they see how weird everybody's dressed like people with mohawks or oblating all this other stuff mm -hmm. Tuvok comments he says we could have worn we could have just worn our Starfleet uniforms I doubt anybody would have even noticed yeah they would have thought they were like a maintenance crew or something or right but I mean dance. I love how that's like a thing in Trek like they feel like don't wear your Starfleet uniforms it's gonna look odd I mean nobody's gonna say anything right it's nobody's gonna say a word it's like I don't know. Yeah, I guess people didn't really have block shirts that the color changed around the like uh, clavicle. Right. right. But it's well, it's not that weird either. Cisco and Bashir had their okay. Cisco and Bashir had their uniforms on when they were thrown back in time in past tense, even though you know they didn't plan for it. It was they were thrown back there by accident. So before they actually end up putting on the civilian clothes, I mean, all that said is one of the officers in the sanctuary district just says, "You're both dressed like clowns." But that's it. Like, I mean, everybody. I think they've been asked about the, the the communicator before on some episode. Like, oh, what's that thing? I feel like they were accused of being military or something once by somebody. But in that episode, yeah, like somebody, a little weird. somebody. Although, yeah, it looked like at, like you know, for for a Nike swoosh, it wouldn't look that weird. So maybe it just looks like a branding of a I think athletic. I think it, I think in that episode Dax refers to like her communicator because Cisco's and Bashir's were stolen but Dax's wasn't and she refers to it as being like a brooch oh, that's brilliant yeah it's like okay yeah it's just a brooch yeah um so after they hatch this plan to go rescue Freeman at Cisco's Creole restaurant yeah that's when they arrive in Bozeman Montana and they decide to hijack one of the uh Phoenix ride shuttles to get to the Cerritos, which is being repaired at space dock in orbit. Um, mm. And I love how... First, they try to get it, and there's the groundskeeper or whatever. Right. 
who's a fun character because he seems to be going back and forth between suspecting them and mm. being very friendly. But they find out that there's some migration of space creatures. That's why they can't get over there. Right. Um, so then they had to pose. That's right. That's I've, Yeah, thank you for that detail. I forgot about that. Unexpected, though, to see James Cromwell lend his voice in this episode as Zephram Cochran again. Kind of reminded me of when we first saw him in the first episode of Enterprise. Yeah, that was that's impressive. You yeah. know? They got the real deal, and I could tell right away that it was the real deal. Yeah. It's such a such a funny character. But I love how he's being very kind of like Disney amusement park about it. Like yeah. you know? if, it's, if it's it's not really him, it's a the uh, It's like a caricature of him. Yeah. Like the Hall of President's version. Right. It, yes, that's exactly what it was. It reminds me of the Hall of Presidents, like the animatronic Hall of Presidents. Mm-hmm. Um, that means the hologram, of course. That make... There's a great line because the whole reason why they're going on to the Cerritos is because Boimler, being Boimler, what did he say? He he copies all of the logs and like dick and like narrates them and like does his own sort of interpretation oh, of the logs. So like evidence. Yeah. It is because they want to bring this as evidence to say, like, you know, she's innocent. But it's yeah. such a Boimler thing that he would do that to the captains with the with the log entries, right? Yeah, and, and he has little bits about how um, Ransom said his name, and he's all excited. Yeah, so you're getting like his personal commentary among the logs. But so they get there, and then just as they're like, just as they steal the Cerritos to get out of there to go find her, that's when we find out that. She's totally innocent, and again, let the process play through. And everything that, everything that they were about to do was going to be for nothing. Yep. I was really hoping in this episode that the Vulcan character from last season was going to finally make an appearance. Right. Yeah. I yeah, think she's no, going to. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, Yeah. I did just realize something as we were talking. It now it seems that their whole plan seems a little strange. If all they wanted to do is present legitimate evidence that might have helped them, why did they have to steal a starship to do it? Yeah. Couldn't they have just told someone, "Hey, we have evidence that you should use this to help her?" Like wouldn't the hierarchy of Starfleet be interested in that? Anyway, it's yeah. a minor you and I had been discussing this a long time ago, like before the long before the season had premiered. We were kind of speculating on what we thought was going to happen, and I think it was based. I think it was based on the first teaser we saw, which showed them, which suggested they were going to go steal the Cerritos. At which point, that's when I said to you, "Oh, are they going to be leaning into Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock?" Mm-hmm. And you had said something that I thought was really great. You had said, "Because I think I had said something like, are they going to steal the Cerritos?'" It's going to be like Search for Spock, and then it's going to end with them being in sort of like a, a trial very similar to Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. And you said to me, yeah, and they could just throw in a line like, uh, you know, oh, what the hell did you say? It was like, oh, right. So the do something heroic, and then it invalidates. Yeah. 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 They, they, we're going to steal the ship. Like, yeah, they do it all the time. Kirk did it this year, and blah, blah, but blah. But then blah, blah. when they're like, yeah, when they're at this like trial, facing all these charges it's like and then like mariner could say something like oh no they erase everything if you do something heroic oh yes it's fine yeah like i said kirk did it and he was a hero right which i think i still think that would have been great if it did happen that way but i think the way the show handled it was a lot better um as i mentioned even though it was in principle the same way they had sort of revealed that Shax was still alive I felt that this made this this for me worked a lot better because we got I think we got a it just leaned into the humor of the show a little bit more to be like no yeah they are actually lower decks yes they did save the day at the end of the episode last season at the finale last season but they're still lower decks yeah and everything they they tried yeah not by that yeah but do do you think system I can recall us having conversations about this several times last season, feeling like, okay, how long can they go with this? In other words, how long can they be ensigns for? How long are they going to be lower decks? How long can this sort of joke carry on, 
right? And I don't know if it has to do with maybe, I don't know if it's just this episode, but I don't, that doesn't feel like a concern for me anymore. Like, you know, you would think yeah. by now one of them would get promoted, right? But I, yeah, I, I just, don't, yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Like, in a way, that almost becomes the joke of the show, right? Right. They're just and lower like, deckers forever. I I yeah. We don't know how much time is passing. Right. Each episode could be a day. Hmm. Yeah, potentially. I just know that in the past, I was expecting advancement in the show, growth in the characters, and I thought, how can you, if the show is going to follow a traditional kind of Trek show in that sense, how can you keep them lower decks but also advance their Starfleet careers? Mm. But I think I was maybe looking at that a little too seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Is it the Harry Kim conundrum? Yeah, like for me, I'm just glad that the show that the characters are back because it's of the new casts, I mean it's my favorite one. It's my favorite group of characters. And I almost don't care what they do. I just like being with them. Right? And I think if we've gotten to that point, if I've reached that point with a show that just let me spend time with the characters. It doesn't matter what you do. I mean, you're yeah. in a good you're in a good spot, I think. Right, and the puzzle, if we think about it this way, we've only we've seen twenty mm. episodes, twenty one. Twenty one, yeah, yeah. That's not even a season of, say, Next Generation. So you know, we didn't expect by almost the end of the first season someone had to be promoted. Right. Yeah. So. I think overall, like I'm very satisfied with the premiere. I liked the way that it was wrapped up. As I said, it that aspect of it really worked for me. It landed a lot better than I think the Shaxx situation did. And I have no doubt that we're going to be in for a really, and once again, very fun season of the show. I totally agree. I mean, this is really, really fun to be back. And, you know unexpected which i like mm. in a show did, definitely did not expect that it was just going to be wrapped up in that way um we got a situation where you know the some of the hijinks upcoming were set up with this new plan that ransom will be directly in charge of mariner because captain freeman cannot be uh, objective yeah but i also Again, you know, I don't want them to forget about some of the stuff that was potentially set up at the end of last season. As I mentioned, it seems to be suggested that that Vulcan Lower Decks character was going to come back. So I hope they... I hope they actually do that. I want to see her again. I think we were hoping that she was going to end up becoming part of the crew. Yes, well, Freeman, well... Yeah, so I guess that's how we thought they were going to deal with it, right? It was could still maybe... happen, yeah. She would be part of the crew, and somehow Captain Freeman would be away. Maybe she would become their captain or something. We thought Jellico might come in at some point and be the... He's right. just... Oh, he's just a temporary replacement captain every time something happens to the captain of the ship. <laughs> that would be really fun. <laughs> um, the, this is a good way to tease that we'll be covering a leak. I think yeah. it's a leak. I don't even know later, but you know there may be some information on that. If you want... If you, Some people maybe don't want to know about leaks, but if you do... Stay tuned to the end. We'll let you know before we talk about it, but it may be yep. relevant to this discussion. Yep. But yeah, I mean, I think I, I, you were a huge fan of that Vulcan Lower Decks last yeah, season. And, and it was, but it was, it was, um, it was presented to us as being very crucial in that moment. Yes. But it I certainly seems like something that's going to come back. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I don't think that you, that they spent, because we spent a lot of time with those characters. And I had been hoping since then that, because we had been wondering, does this, I forget the name of that Vulcan character, but she was like a Vulcan prod, prodigy. And we had begun to speculate, could she come aboard the uh, Cerritos 
and they end up kind of maybe expanding the lower decks cast a little yeah, bit by adding another agree. person. That would have been fantastic. Yeah. Because I think, because last season, they were definitely doing some stuff that we didn't see in the first season, which was like, remember they were changing up the dynamics a couple of times, like Tendi would go on a mission with Mariner, and then, you know, uh, Boimler would get teamed up with Rutherford, and because it's mostly been Mariner, Boimler, and then Rutherford, Tendi. So they shake it up a little bit. So, and I think the gradual sort of next step to that is do you bring in a new character do you bring a new character into the mix right and a vulgar character would definitely throw off their whole social dynamic completely well and especially the, just sort of the humor of the show right i mean vulcans by you know nature and trick are kind of foils in a lot of ways mm. and i think a vulcan character on lower decks just given the humor of the show would be perfect i mean my only my only thing, question really, is I think the show has proven that a, that a group of four characters are really, you know, work really well. It's kind of like four points on a compass. If you add a fifth, does it potentially throw it off, right? You've got four points on a compass, four legs on a table, but if you add a fifth one, you know, I don't know. I think it would be fine. Yeah. I don't see why not. Plenty of shows have five characters and are fine. Right. Are there five Ghostbusters? No. There are four. four. There are also four lights. Four lights? There are four lights. It's a joke from the TNG episode, Chain of Command. Oh. Yeah. Ooh, One of Picard's right most famous lines. Right over your head, yeah. So, I think, you know, if I have any hopes for the season, I don't have any specific hopes other than just I want to see that character come back and maybe even be a main character on the show. And wasn't it set up that there was some sort of exchange that was going to happen? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there was. Maybe I just don't remember the details. It's, but it, it yeah. was very suggestive that that's where they were going with mm -hmm. it. So, I mean, again, it's there's no reason. It can still happen. It's just it just didn't happen right away. So, mm -hmm. I would like that. I, w I would like that. I mean, I, I, I think it would be... That show desperate. That show just needs a Vulcan. That show needs a foil, and I think it's, it would be the perfect opportunity to do that. Totally, totally. Tell me about this leak. All right. Well, wait. I think before the leak, we should do our continuity corner and funniest moment. Oh, okay. That's right. I forgot about the way we formatted these episodes. Yeah. Mm, look at you being on top of things. Who's the producer here again? Both of us. There are many, like, there are many producers. We're all producers. Everyone that works on any Star Trek show. Yeah. The guy who gets the coffee is a, uh, is a producer. Um, all right. So as far as continuity goes, I mean, there's a lot of it, right? Uh, continuity, I would say, well, let me say this. Continuity, not to be confused with Easter eggs. I, th this is kind of on me. So it's more Easter eggs than continuity. Because continuity is something like, oh, Freeman, uh, Mariner's dad is there. Okay, we saw him from the first episode. Now he's back this season, so there's some continuity. So I think maybe I should call this Easter eggs rather than continuity. But that's, right. that's kind we'll of... Title. That, we'll yeah, that, that's Easter me. Easter egg corner. That's my Easter meat. egg basket. Omelet for yes. right now. All right. So obviously, Cisco's Creole kitchen was there. The Ketracel white hot sauce. Now, Ketracel white, for those who don't know, which... I think is nobody. Come on. You. Ketracel White is a drug that the Dominion gave to the Jem'Hadar soldiers that contained necessary nutrients. So obviously Zephram Cochran is one. Um, oh, this is a big one. I forgot about this. So you had mentioned Tuvok. Also, Tuvok, yeah. that was a fun, yep. fun one. But the other one, Captain Morgan Bateson, now, Morgan Bateson was a captain. He appeared in the TNG episode, Cause and Effect. That's the episode where the Enterprise keeps reliving the same few minutes over and over again. That starship comes through the rift. That's Kelsey Grammer. Remember Kelsey Grammer appeared on Next Gen? Oh, yeah. That's Morgan Bateson, right? Here's what's cool about this. Now, it's, co it's just cool that he's there, right? Yeah. But Captain, so where the, uh, 
the um, Phoenix launched from is from Bozeman, Montana. Captain Bateson was the captain of the USS Bozeman. Named for Bozeman, Montana. So you had two Bozeman references there, which I thought was nice. Um, Zephram Cochran statue, as I mentioned. And I think that's kind of, those are all the big ones, I think. I mean, you had mentioned Samaritan Snare was one. But those are kind of the really uh, big ones that I think stood out, so. Nice. And we learned that Boimler does actually dye his hair purple, which I thought was interesting. That was interesting. Yeah, yeah. it didn't really make sense. Assuming that's a joke about why, I don't know, the fact that he has purple hair. Because, well, you know, nobody has purple hair. I'm also wondering, but you, you kind of figure, like, I mean, it's animation, right? So they don't do stuff like, you know, it's just meant to be things that are not in real life. But I also wonder... Is that a way of kind of clearing the air for when they cross over with Strange New Worlds? So when we actually see, if we see Boimler in live action, Good point. he will actually have, will Jack Quaid actually have dyed purple hair? I think they should dye his hair for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, My... One thing that's sort of con continuity, but not really, I think it's just sort of funny, is that the fact that courtroom sketches in the future are look exactly the same as courtroom sketches of today. On yep. that weird brown paper. Yep. And this is a question, and I don't know if we've seen this before, but did you notice that there was a torn and battered California state flag on the wall in a frame? No, I did not notice that. Well, there was. And I wonder if there's, you know, story behind that, because obviously it's a California-class ship, but... Right. I hadn't noticed that before. Oh, and one more. That's not really an Easter egg, but I recognize the voice... And it was Bobby Moynihan from Saturday Night Live, most famous for his character Drunk Uncle, I believe, mm -hmm. who voiced the botanist. Um, and he voiced someone else. I, I can't recall who. So my favorite line is what I was talking about earlier, more the exchange about the Golden Gate Bridge. I thought that was really, really... Really funny because I like I really like those moments when the show kind of points out the oddities of the twenty fourth century that we just kind of accept as being part of the universe, but it really kind of yeah like <laughs> why you know nobody drives why do you even need a bridge this planet's whack yeah yeah I mean I know because we first thought it was just cool like oh yeah the Golden Gate Bridge of course it's in San Francisco right how interesting. But you know but it, yeah they don't drive anymore so it's like yeah why why is that. Is there a bridge? I mean, I think the Abrams films where you first said there were solar panels on them on the bridge. No, it was, um, I think it was in Discovery or Picard. I know Picard reused some of the effect shots from Discovery, which showed the Golden Gate. I mean, it's it's varied, right? I mean, I think in at one point there's like a tram, there's even a tram that goes across the bridge, so yeah, it kind of aside from being a historical landmark. The yeah, bridge's I, actual use is just, it's not clear. So, yeah, that's whatever they happen to do for that particular moment. Yeah, yeah. And I think my favorite moment, it's not really one having to do with the main characters all that much, but I just, I liked when they were stealing the Cerritos. You had those two, like, officers just sort of sitting in the main space dock with nothing to do. You had that one guy just, like, playing chess and they just see the Cerritos just kind of float by. And there's like that there's like that perfectly long pause and he just like hits the he just hits the red alert button. Like this is probably the most exciting thing that's happened to them in their entire time sitting at that console. Right. So those are my those were my moments. Alright, mine is something that I really, really love, especially because when I watched uh, Lower Deck. I mean, no, sorry. First Contact. There was always something about all the Bozeman scenes and just the character of Zephyr Cochran with his hat and his, like, oh, I like rock and roll. Yeah. And it was just something that was kind of silly about that whole part of it to me. And it just seems so strange. And one of the things that I noticed is he keeps saying he likes rock and roll, but they keep playing this really generic 
you know, like he's a badass, but they keep playing yeah, this yeah. generic song. And said, so why is he playing like the Rolling Stones or something? And I'm knowing that they meant they didn't want to pay the money. Right. <laughs> but take the particularly I know bland, where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah. Um, a particularly bland song. So I really love when they um, are coming in and it was Tendy who says, um, oh, they even have the Crash and Burn bar with its famous one-song jukebox. <laughs> yeah, they play Steppenwolf, Magic Upper, right? I mean, which is which is included on the first Contact soundtrack CD, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but also, yeah, there was, and I, I haven't checked to see if that generic song that they play is really um, the one that was in the film, but... Magic, yeah, it was. Magic Upright, yeah. It's the exact Oh, no, one. Magic Upright wasn't in this episode. They and play... They one song, Jukebox, that was just that bland, generic rock that was probably made by the studio just for the film. I'd have to see again. I know in the film... So the two... Ubi by Roy Orbison. Correct. So those are the two songs they play in the movie, but that they were not playing Ubi Doobie in the episode, correct? I don't believe so. No. Okay. Not even the part that was just the music and not the actual dialogue? think so because it yeah. sounded um very that's on the cd too it sounded very um too newly recorded to be yeah. do you think in first like contact recorded in i think it was definitely older but let me see when it was recorded 1956 yeah no that was not from 1956 do you think in first contact they chose those songs specifically or they just were like what's what are the cheapest ones that or that we can live with <laughs> Because I guess Paramount had them in their catalog, and they were free because Paramount. Oh, maybe. Out. Yeah. I don't know if they have any. I mean, Magic Carburide is a pretty good choice, actually. Given I mean, that they're buying. at least it has some connection. Nothing against nothing against Roy Orbison, but it just seems like. Right. I don't know. It's I, so out of. I don't know. I I can't put my finger on it. It's just so weird to me. Now, yeah. what year was? Did he do that? Roughly. Did you have the first flight? Oh, um, in the movie, first. So when did the first? It's April fifth, two thousand sixty-three. Okay, so two thousand sixty-three. You think some guy who's clearly an alcoholic mm. but thinks he's like a badass is going to listen to Roy Orbison? Well, years before, I don't know. It doesn't really make sense. Roy Orbison first. Roy Orbison, excellent musician. Yeah, not a badass. I look at it this way. It was 10 years after World War Three. That's all he had. Roy he only had. No, no, no. It's all Zephram Cochran had. It was a Roy Orbison record? And, uh, he just had record. that jukebox and it only played those two songs and that was it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So all the digital media had been wiped out probably by... A, or at uh, least it wasn't accessible to... Maybe not wiped out, but it wasn't accessible to him where he was. Yeah. In the middle of the woods in Bozeman, Montana. All the other records got cracked in like a bomb or something. Yes, that that's 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 my. I'll take that. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense than anything else. So yes, I really love that line, the famous one-song jukebox, because we mm -hmm. do we hear that song so many times, that little bit. Yep. And uh, yeah, I just always found that so odd. Everything about that whole scene in Bozeman, and just that whole vibe of like people drinking and making warp drives yeah <laughs> well, it, was, it was great it was great to hear that and i do love too that as soon as we hear um zeph from cochran's voice he i think he says um he says first contact somehow he's like your first contact with bozeman montana or something right. like that yeah so yeah they set us up right it's, away. It's, i think he says like first contact and I think he also says something like, make your first contact with fun. Yeah. That's or something like that, yeah. Yeah, excellent. Very funny. I think they could have went further even with that. We could have mentioned our friend who went up to the Enterprise somehow, maybe. Yep. The character. I can't remember her name, but... The classic, we're going to reveal to one person what's, what we actually are. It's interesting to me that they the lower deckers may not have even known about the events of first contact i figured that like at least boimler would have known that picard and crew traveled back in time you know Did, was that part of the public record do you think i don't know i mean i i don't know but i even if it 
if lower decks knew it, I wouldn't. I mean, it wouldn't matter to me. I think it would, I think it would be fine. Um, because they would, they would do a discovery law, and you can't talk about it. Well, I know that in that episode of Enterprise when they featured the Borg, which um, Picard and crew shot down from Earth orbit, the Borg sphere. Mm. Archer makes reference to the fact that. Before Zephram Cochran died, Zephram Cochran had mentioned that some humans from the future had helped him, had came back to had come back to stop some cybernetic creatures. So, huh. I don't know. Interesting. But again, like if if Boimler knew about it directly, because didn't Archer know Zephram Cochran? Yeah. So he yeah. could have just come right from him, not from right. the official records. And also, that's pretty vague. It's vague, and I think if at one point even DePaul's like makes mention of the fact that Zephram Cochran drank, and so a lot of his stories were probably exaggerated. So as far as they're concerned, they don't even know if it's true. We, the audience, know that's true because we saw the movie yeah. where it actually did take place. But I just think it would be funny, and it, I think it would have been totally in character if Boimler knew that Picard and crew had traveled back to this time and... Yeah, I don't know how they would have fit that into the conversation. Maybe it just would have been a throwaway line or something, but I kind of wish that they had made some reference to that in some weird way. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm glad, though, they did make reference to the jukebox that only played one song. It's one song. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good line. I like that line. So, but I think, yeah, I, I I thought it was a fantastic episode. I, I I again, I'm just I'm glad the show is back and I'm just ready for more. Absolutely. Now let's let people know. So now we're going to cover the leak. It's not that much of a leak, but we're going to cover the leak. So if you don't like leaks, go in peace. This is the point where you say if you don't like spoilers, turn the podcast off. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. we haven't really had to do that on this one, especially at all, have we? I don't think so, no. I don't believe so. But anyway. So, yeah. We're talking about the leak. Thanks for listening. If you're not into leaks, see you later. All right. All the people that find leaks to be okay, hello. Now that we're alone, we can discuss the leak. So, someone leaked, I don't know. This is a Reddit thing. I haven't really investigated it, but allegedly someone um, leaked a bunch of, well, the all of the episode titles, except for two and a um, synopsis of each. And then someone further took those and then went through the season trailer and pulled out all the stills and matched them to the episodes. Right. So, the thing that I find interesting, we were talking about the Vulcan, is that the Vulcan's not on any of these. Mm. In any of these synopses. Like, so are that, you saying generically Vulcans or just like generally Vulcans or just that specific one? There's no Vulcans at all, her or anyone. Mm. So there's no indication that she's going to play a role in this season at all. Okay. Uh, although on episode, the fourth episode, there is no information. It says the title is TBA, TBA and the summary is TBD. Which is funny that they would use to be announced and to be determined. Yep. Episode 305 has the title. They don't have the title, but they do have a um, synopsis. Okay. So, do we want to discuss some specifics here? Well, tell us a synopsis. Okay, so, synopsis for the next episode is on a tropical paradise planet, Mariner questions Commander Ransom on how he structures his away team. Formula makes a bold career decision. Mm-hmm. The least dangerous game. Then we've got mining the mines, mines. So that's like mining, yep. digging things out of the ground. The mind, the brain, involved uh, function, and then mines, like the place where mining happens. So it's a little fun play on words there. Mm-hmm. The crew is faced with an orb that manifests their nightmares. Mariner tries dating Jen. So this we saw in the trailer where we've got uh, the clowns with the uh, with the knives or bat lap arms. Um, yep. And we did think that they were she was going to try to date Jen. Remember the scene at the bar? 
Yeah. Yep, I remember that. Yeah. So that's good. Three. Jen was the Andorian, as I recall, right? Yeah, she was What's the that? she was the Andorian girl. Jen. Yeah. Yeah. She's Andorian. I think she was Andorian. Three hundred four. We know nothing, although the images that we have are someone with stubble in a stick bay bed, looking upset. Uh, Captain Freeman with a black eye and a puppy dog, and then two puppy dogs. And then it looks like Mariner in a like green vortexy. All right, three hundred five. Mariner and Boimler are stuck at a Starfleet recruitment center. Mariner decides to join the archaeologist guild and has an adventure with Petra, a sexy archaeologist. Now, we saw that scene in the season trailer where they're at the booth trying to recruit. Yep, that's right. Yep, and then there's an image of Mariner with a, what looks like the uh, golden idol from Raiders of the Lost Ark. It makes me wonder, like, do they try to recruit like the, like the army tries to recruit, you know? Is it the same? I think, is it done uh, the same way? Yeah, so yeah. I, I work in a high school, so I see the army a lot. We'll have or the, the National Guard will have a booth like in the cafeteria, <laughs> and they're like giving people pens that say National Guard on there. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's given the sexy archaeologist and uh, the golden idol. It looks like it's going to be a Tomb Raider, Indiana Jones kind of story. I'd be down for that, and that's keeping in the family because I. I mean, that was Paramount, so. Now it's Disney. Yeah, now it's Disney. Um, okay, this is cool. So the synopsis is only one sentence. The USS Cerritos visits Deep Space Nine. Yep. But the title, Hear All, comma, Trust Nothing. It's a good title for Deep Space Nine. Now, but what I know about that episode is that there's a whole adventure that takes place on the space station. Uh-huh. Based on what Mike McMahon had said. Obviously, we don't know anything beyond that. I would be, I'm not expecting the show to kind of pick up the pieces and give us an update really on what's going on over on Deep Space Nine. I'd be surprised if they did. All I'm really expecting. We're going to have to learn something just by. by I think we're going to learn something, but I I think that I feel like they're not going to get too in the weeds. I think it's just going to be like, oh yeah, Quarks is still there, of course. You know, is Garrick still the tailor there? I don't know. But, like, things like, is Bashir still on board? Is, you know, is Ezri still there? I mean, I, I don't know that it... I'm not expecting the show to tell me that. Right. Or tell us I mean, what happened yeah, to Cisco. It would be to, to include Quark and Garrick, though. I mean, those would be great characters on the yeah. show. So I'm, I'm sure those decisions will probably be more, like, who's the character that's going to be fun for us to use? I think Quark and Garrick would be. Yeah, but I, I even want to see the state of the space station. Didn't wasn't it going to change its? I don't. Oh no, it was the planet. Things were changing on the planet at right. the end of the series. Right. So, yeah, I don't want to get too into that because I would like to see a real picking up right. of Deep Space Nine. Like, not real. Not, this isn't real, but you know, a serious show about Deep Space Nine now. Yeah, so. like don't tell us what happened to Cisco, right? Like, yes, don't say, like, what's this line for? Like, oh, people are going to worship Cisco in there or something. Yeah, like, I don't I don't want them to take any of the sort of potentially unanswered questions at the end of DS9 and turn them into some sort of joke, right? Yes. I think keep it kind of status quo. What What was still there? Like, who was still on board the station when the series ended? Yeah. Keep them. I'll, it'll be nice for us to know that they're still there, but that's but that's it. Yeah, yeah like you say, like you've and like you've said, save it for something. Implies that Garrick's going to be involved because wasn't he always the one who knew all the scuttlebutt? Yeah, yeah, he was because so he was a alleged Cardassian spy. Um, right, I think and also my, he was just, if he even if he wasn't, he was just a gossip. Yeah. basically. My recollection was that he remained on Cardassia at the end of the show, yeah. but. I still think it'd be great to be seen on Lower Decks. I really do. Yeah, that's the thing. There's all these little things at the end of the show that maybe aren't going to line up with what would be most funny. So it'd right. be interesting to see how but, they deal with that. But also don't forget, last thing I'll say is that it was established in Season 1 that Mariner was at one time stationed aboard Deep Space Nine. Right. So, but... No, I'm going to abstain. Move on. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is probably the most interesting episode 
episode 307 is called A Mathematically Perfect Redemption. And in this episode, it says it's a solo adventure with Peanut Hamper, reminiscent of Wally and Avatar. Interesting. Um, so that is very interesting to think that we're going to go on a, um, you know, maybe not have our characters in it. Yep. And, you know, this is the kind of thing I expect from um, the Star Wars The Clone Wars would do episodes where it would just be C-3PO and R2, and we wouldn't see any of the other characters. Yeah. But it's, it's surprising for, for this show to do something like that. And in the well, last that, episode... That's, that's different. I mean, that's a bit of a different uh, thing to do. Yeah, I like yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's animated. Do, do crazy stuff. Great. And then the last episode, allegedly, is Crisis Point 2, Paradoxus, a sequel to Crisis Point. Crisis Point being an episode from the first season. Right. Crisis Point was the... Crisis Point, I believe, was the episode... That was the, um, that was the episode that parodied all the films. Oh, my bro, it's great. Maybe it'll be yeah. a next-gen one more, or... Yeah, who knows? Maybe it'll go another... Oh, I hope. Oh my God, that's too good. That's too good. I didn't realize that was that episode. Yeah, we loved that episode. That was that was uh, Boimler's holodeck simulation that Mariner tweak, you know, um, tweaked, and it became a, you know, spoof of the films because we loved that scene when they were circling the uh, Cerritos, right? So that's yeah, that yeah. a lot of it. Yeah, I oh, mean, man, it's endless. You could you could you could go back to that and pretty much do anything. So. Yeah, they, they should do uh, they should do it every season. That'd yeah, that could be like a recurring episode every every season. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. Huh? So, wow, can't wait. I had to pause for a second to remind myself. I'm like, well, which one was that? Because I, I uh, knew I'm pretty sure I, I I was almost sure that was the one, but I had to confirm. Yeah, that was um. I believe that was my favorite of the season. That first year, yeah. Yeah, um, and I think as you can see, there's really no room for uh, the transfer Vulcan crew member. So, do you think out of all those synopses that you said, you can't envision a scenario where that Vulcan would even make an appearance? No, why? Well, yeah. it, would, it would be too major of a point if she were yeah. stationed on the uh, would make it into the summer. Well, Crisis Point. Forgive me. Crisis Point is what episode? What number? So Ten. Well, I don't know if that's the last. There were only eight episodes. Ten. Okay. Well, this is incomplete then, so we only have yep. up to eight. So, so okay. yeah, she could be back. I forgot. I didn't realize this was incomplete. Yeah. No, they always do ten episodes a season. So. Okay. So let me just go back to the original post. See if there was. If it was just missed. I mean, I could see them bringing her in maybe in the finale, as a way of. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't know. That's the thing. I'm assuming that she's going to come back and become a member of the main cast. Don't even know if that's going to be the case. I just know that I want, I just know that I want to see her again. That's right. All. Yeah. I, I think we can't um, assume anything. Yeah. Except that she'll probably be back. And it'll probably be a one episode deal given their, the way they've been handling right. most. Yeah. I mean, I'm. it's funny how I'm, given how Discovery and Picard are, I'm still feeling like and and my hatred of season-long story arcs in a way i'm kind of expecting to have them when this show has not, this show and even strange new worlds have not even done them so right right i yeah. i do i do think it's interesting and i usually would not like um leaks about shows but this show i feel differently about if it were a show with a season-long arc that i was really enjoying i would definitely avoid a spoiler like this. Yeah. If it was a season-long arc that I was dreading and not enjoying, I would definitely read it just to get it over with. Right. Um, but with a show like this, I don't think that ruins Well, even, even when you're dealing with a season-long story arc, sometimes just the episode title can be a spoiler. That's true. Right? I mean, I think in the last season of Discovery... The, the penultimate episode of the season was called Species 10C. 
So, I mean, obviously, you didn't have to watch the episode to know what that was going to be about, right? Although, um, knowing Discovery, yeah. I think you didn't need the episode title to be able to predict that. Well, we knew that they were going to have a first contact with them. I think it was just a question of, like, when. How long were they going to drag it out? Was it going to be in the finale or was it going to be in the episode before that? So, but that kind of, if you saw all the episode names prior, you were kind of able to see, okay, they're probably going to be in this episode. It's probably going to happen in this episode. Right? So, I mean, vague as it may be, episode titles can give stuff away. But given that we're not dealing with an ongoing seasonal narrative with lower decks, it's kind of impervious to that, to that sort of, to that. So, yes, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that'll be it then for the week. Very good. And do you have the? Uh, info for next week's i do so next week is called the least dangerous game of course the play on the most dangerous game yes uh directed by michael mullen written by garrick bernard mm -hmm. and uh yeah that's that all right well I, i'm 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 going to guess it's going to involve boimler being hunted in the, um, in the least dangerous way possible. I would say that that seems like a pretty uh, fair bet. Yeah. Given that we've both already seen the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you give it away? So, yeah, we've been a little behind on our recording because obviously I've been moving locations, so it's on me. But, yes, we are recording this after the premiere of episode two. So, uh, but... if. As long as the hey, look, as long as the cat's out of the bag, then I'll say this too. Today is Monday, September fifth. Star Trek Day is Thursday, and there's going to be stuff happening on Star Trek Day. Oh, do we know anything about what kind of stuff? Yeah, so go to Star Trek dot com and read about it. I'm not okay. going to I'm not going to read it for you. Yeah, we'll cover it later. But yeah. there's nothing that stuck out to you as like worth mentioning. Any big no. No, I so, mean, I you know, I think each each show is going to get their own, going to get some time on their own. Yeah, pretty standard. Maybe. But um, I think that the one thing that I'm uncertain of is when Prodigy is coming back. Because I think, um, Paramount is uncertain of that. Well. Yeah, I know it's premiering on Nickelodeon. Season one is anyway. But season one's not over yet. There's only, there's only, we've only, they've only released seven episodes. So I am curious. I thought that Prodigy was going to come back after Strange New Worlds. Because Strange New Worlds and season three right. of Lower Decks did not. Yes, we thought they would fill dovetail. in those gaps. But right. Not. So I'm, I'm, I'm confused. I want to know, and I hope that I certainly hope that Star Trek Day clears that up because Prodigy is a, as you said in the very beginning, a lovely little show. It is indeed. And I want to, and I'd like to see more of it. So, yes. um, no, there's just been there's been no news on that show, and in in some ways it feels like it's kind of forgotten and i'm not saying it is forgotten i don't think it is it just feels like it is mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so oh this is cool tanya newsom is one of the hosts of she Star is Trek. she that's is. fantastic yep. mm -hmm. definitely all day of will eaton <sighs> no thank you whoops all right everybody, all right, everybody. Uh, success and long life Reach out to us on Twitter at Star Trek We Trust. You can follow us on Instagram at In Star Trek We Trust Podcast. And if you would like to email us, no pressure, in Star Trek We Trust at gmail.com. And until then, we'll see.
Hello, yeah. friend. You know, tell your ma. We've only been doing this for five years. Tell somebody, um, you know, tweet us, Snapchat us at somebody, send us a message. Well, we're not on Snapchat. Say that Snapchat us at somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. You know, um, or, you know, something. Something. Please. All right. <laughs>